0: Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Fitness in Relations. Uh, my name is James Fitzgerald, and um, I'm going to uh, start off by giving a, a little interlude as to what brings us here, and then Melissa's gonna give a little background on herself as well as um, you know how she how she comes into this conversation, also um, to bring it to to I guess within the past couple of weeks. Melissa and I gathered at uh, an OPEX summit, and for a long period of time, I have been doing some conversations that are things, I guess, slightly outside of uh, fitness uh, with two other podcasts, Fitness in Philosophy and Fitness in Youth, and um, and then I find myself, you know, uh, at this point in time and what I do for my work, uh, really having uh, these external conversations with coaches in different ways on fitness and um, relationships, uh, fitness and uh, sex, fitness and mating, you know, fit you know, and uh, I think uh, we have or there's probably just not a I, I sense that there probably wasn't a space for uh, individuals to have a conversation on that. And so, you know, during the conference we just had, um, I have been thinking for quite a while. Looking out, you know, that it'd be great to uh, have these discussions with someone that I know, and I know I'm cheating on it, Melissa. But I know we have indirectly had these conversations before, um, as part of Jim's, and I know only from what I know about you and uh, how we know one another that uh, it does it does come up in your psyche and top of mind for uh how it connects to everything not only how you run a gym but how you coach coaches and how you coach people and and etc so um anyways that's the preempt as to why we're here it's called fitness and relations honestly because fitness and sex i thought was a little just too uh brash for the current times um and i think that relations um is really an indirect story as to how i think you and i are going to approach the topic which is, uh, probably, um, a little bit more of a, of an agreement, you know, between how everyone can work together for a common, for a common purpose. And, um, and anyways, we're going to find our way through that. So before, uh, I, I front end the, uh, the topic for today, uh, Melissa, if you're, if you're up to it, maybe you can share just coming into the situation and then, uh, and uh, letting everyone know what you're looking forward to.
1: Yeah. Um, so similarly to what James said, my hope is that in the concept of talking about fitness and relations that, you know, what I found over the last decade is I could find a lot of women groups to have these conversations, but we were always often not taking in the account of our co-parts, um, especially in the world of fitness, I spend a lot of my time working with men. And I think there is a lot of commonality of what we're hoping to get out for our clients. So I don't think this needs to be simply a conversation for women that takes place on a different platform than the way men have their conversations. Um, you know, if we want the best outcome for all people, I think we do need to, to come together when we have these conversations. Um, but me getting here was ultimately um, growing up in sport, mm-hmm. coming into being um, a fitness instructor and hitting a lot of the walls of gender, gender roles, expectations, and just some of the stereotypes around them. Um, and of- and often assimilating to try to be more of a masculine personality type, because I thought that's what was successful um, in being the best athlete and being the best business owner. And just, you know, uh, we'll talk about it today, but the kind of man eater concept of if you want to be one, just be better than them. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of detriment came out of that as well over time. So just unpacking that, going through my own journey of, you know, healing my body um, from some of the damage that I went through. And also then just being like, how did we get here? And now really spending a lot of time and my energy on education of how did we get to this situation um, where this is happening so often to young girls as they grow up. Um, so that's my hope of us talking is, you know, just having a neutral place to have conversations around what's going on currently, um, the goods and the bads of both sides, because I think we don't get here, we don't make progress in a linear fashion. I think there's some negatives that sometimes come with the pauses that positive things that happen over time. Um, and we need to be able to just pull back and have a platform to discuss everything around those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks for, uh, sharing that as you were talking about your story, where you're coming from, it made me, uh, uh, recollect on our motives. Right. I think I discussed them briefly, but you know, I, I want, I would like some, uh, additional thought from you on that, but I think the motives for our conversations and fitness and relations and the fitness and relations podcast is um, yeah, I did say it. It's, it's about uh, unity on the topic. Uh, So, but, but that, but that's also a motive. Like the motive is, is for us to have uh, just, you know, adults in the room willing to have the conversation Um, and whether that's, as I said, three or 3,000, you know, individuals at least listening to that, I'm hoping that the motive will be that one or 5,000 people will take that piece of information and it'll make them critically think around things like uh, the language or um, their actions. Or, you know, like you said, maybe there's a coach out there, you asked the question, who would be speaking to, there could be a coach who's like, I never I never thought that I had the power to have those conversations with individuals, right. To help them, you know, just so we, we know what lane we're in, but also it's our responsibility, I think, um, to have the discussions. Um, And what that means is about fitness, you know, and what we know about fitness and relations. So I'm not sure if you have any different language to the motives, if you wanted to double click on it or add something to it before. uh...
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I would add to that again, if we are, I think, by na- I think it's going to be natural that some coaches tap in to listen to this. And I think you know we're in a time where it's like, where do we stay in our lane? And it's understanding that multiple different things intersect into our lane. So language matters, right? Um, when it comes to just even the way we describe movements, mm-hmm. right? Or even, I know you've talked about it, the thruster and things like that. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Or when we talk about playing like a girl or mm-hmm. those things are the emotional attachments to some of the things we say in fitness. I think we do need to look outside of our lane into language, into uh-huh. some of the things we're going to dig into here, into on this podcast and um, how they do impact not just being a coach, but potentially being a parent, potentially yeah. your feelings around wanting to do those things. You know, um, I will talk on that. It's like oftentimes for me, I had to critically think about the things I was so strong in my convictions on. Where did they come from? You know, and the more I unpacked those, it did make me open-minded to things that I didn't believe I would ever shift my thoughts on.
0: Yeah, great learning um, for all of us. Uh, I hope hope individuals can uh, hear that and uh, maybe just take some time uh, for themselves and contemplating on those those ideas. Because uh, by by all means, whether we like it or not, we are going to touch on things that are culturally relevant that are you know, uh, uh, language, you know, per se of particular things, but also what, where I would like to help on that is to be able to say that intentions do matter. Remember we discussed, uh, or was it, was it you? No, no, no. It was, uh, our podcast the other day, uh, listening to Steve Pinker, uh, talk about psychology and recognizing that expectations drive perceptions, such a powerful statement. So if you don't know, for example, let's use gender ideology or just the just the just the language, those two words. Right. Immediately, you have to say before you even want to opine or think about, et cetera, you have to say, what are my expectations of those that particular language? Right. That's the first step that you have to make. Right. You don't hear those two words and then immediately say well, what did the most recent media pundit say about those particular things, right? Without you even looking around and saying, how does that whatsoever affect me? Because what that allows you to do then is to say, what is the intentions of the person in using that particular language? You see, so that's what I'm hoping, you know, at least the, you know, we could, hopefully people could see that you could very well be, have the veil pulled over your eyes, Right? That people are making you conform to this particular kind of language only to get a rise, you know, and then look around, and be like actually, there's no vitriol or there's no issues whatsoever in regards to that and that that's why that's why I like the quote unquote that's when I use unity or togetherness. The conversation needs to come with critical thinking. It, it, you we don't get jammed on what I from the ex excer- outset said the language, right. And why it's particularly used and, and yeah, we'll, we'll discuss all of it. Um, and this would be the place for us to, I guess, two adults anyways, to have the conversation within the confines of fitness, you know, in order to do it. Yeah. Um, so today, sorry, we good. Yep. I, I don't have my, uh, I never get notifications of anything, so I don't have them turned off. So if you hear dings, I don't know, maybe it's a cosmos sign of something. Uh, maybe every time you hear a ding, you can subscribe and give us five stars to our podcast. <laughs> um, today, the I, I thought the topic, uh, and I'll send over after, um, as a reminder myself, to saying it out loud, Melissa, some of the jumping off points of the uh, Brett and Heather, uh, Brett and Bridget podcast, uh, Louise Perry's book, um, uh Bridget Fattese's, uh, article mm-hmm. um you know this is a good jump off point i thought that we could we could start on this area and the topic for today um is mating and big f fitness uh and or uh mating and small f fitness so what i mean by those two um big f would be the evolutionary biological ideas of fitness. Like if you did your research on the definition of fitness, you know, um, and if you looked at it from a biological level, um, it's basically uh that that level of resilience inside an organism that allows them to reproduce and survive. And so that that's what it, that's what we mean by big F fitness. Um now I should just take a second to uh to um shed a few tears for how that that word, you know, which was so you know, locked in, in terms of a singular definition, in in my opinion, anyways, has been corrupted over time. Um, with, you know, I think in 2022, it's just, uh, it's just honestly a shitstorm in ideas around what the definition of a small F fitness means. But anyways, when we say small F fitness as a counter to that small F fitness is, I just put it into three E's for again, language. So people could understand, exercise eating and emotions and the 3 E's of the newest version of fitness and mating i think is a really interesting topic um you know and that i think um you know i'm i'm hoping to uh, discuss not only using our jump off points of the podcast and the articles but also for people to maybe realize that actually you know, what you do for exercise, what you do for eating and what you do for emotions, which is what I'm using as thought and behavior and things, they can have really big impact on your uh, mating, mating capabilities, um, your awareness, mental acuity, the choices that you make, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? I see you smiling. I know know you and I really get excited around that, right? Because we're like, gosh we could offer these things so just on the topic what was the uh first thing that uh came to mind for you or that's something you'd like to uh like to discuss just based on those two things mating and big f or mating and small F fitness I mean,
1: I'd, I'd go to big f and just kind of go um in the beginning where perry just breaks down the, the physical differences between men and women because hmm. i think we have to have that
0: yeah for sure i wrote down m uh, F, uh, like in a combined, uh, position, uh, right next to the big F here on my notes. So, uh,
1: so wow. just digging into the things that we, like, you know, what are we going to accept or to know to be true that are the, the true differences between men and women, um, physically, because I think we need to have some clarity on that. Just, you know, I think even as we start this podcast, um, that aren't emotionally attached to, you're capable or you're stronger than me um because of you know my expression of fitness but because this is how you are built and this is how i'm built mm. i don't know your thoughts on that but i just feel like we have to have some kind of standard here of like yeah. you know i think i like that she did bring that up in the book right just it, yeah you know acknowledging the physical differences of um the the strength of an adult woman in mm-hmm. comparison to a male
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah um I'm not sure where to begin on that, just based upon, uh, you know, recognizing right down at the baseline level at a, as a, at a zygote level. Um, you know, some of the things that are in place that, uh, let's call it, are the, the, the base support of the differences and what happens in that growth and development from those two different, let's just call them cells, you know, um, and from that, you know, area forward, you know, physically, I find for individuals who are not you know even and it's even funny that we we have to explain or actually you know uh rehearse the differences um there are some you know innate embedded uh differences uh between the two sexes um and it it you could you could basically just look around and you know, ask your, ask the question, you know, on a physical level, just strip all kinds of emotions and cognition, et cetera, away from it on a physical level, you know, you could probably observe for yourself some of those differences. Um, and if you are uh, a male or a female, you don't have to look any further than yourself in the mirror with no clothes on to see some of those differences. And as an adult over time, you can probably recognize that, it's ah, uh, it's not only the sexual organs that are different. Um, there's also a different, you know, uh, production of material items that go on inside each of these two systems that are different. You know, we get we can get to the um, uh, from that, you know, we can get to hormonal levels that are significantly different. You know, at a, at a lifetime analysis of both of those two sexes upon growth and development, let's just use. An avatar of 19 years of age there is a it's 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 not it's not um it's not even close to being similar in regards to hormonal differences it's like it's it's like a one of those complete extraction of differences you know so we could we could say well you know in a physical level we both have hair we both have eyes we both have shoulders you know but then as you start to move you know further and further away from those things that are similar on the farthest ends of them is the sexual organ differences and the hormones. And why I would basically just extract those out as far as possible is that it then makes you appreciate uh, the difference, you know appreciation of the difference and not necessarily and this then of course, uh, comes into being, what Luis brought in the book and what also I think we've been working through honestly for 60 years is this, is this whole, um, the language of equal.
1: Yes. And that's right? what I, I mean. She touches and on it, it, right? The yep. fitness cost, um, in adolescence when a male starts to get upper upper throat shoulders back begin to develop. Right. And that difference of like where strength difference develops mm-hmm. and just a males, a Um, as we go into other topics, just like, you know, um, grip strength, and the power dynamic difference that just comes during that phase of adolescence, where you and I become different. Um, And I think that goes into the more you just simply understand that, then I'm not trying, like, there is never going to be a place where I am trying to be the same as a male, as far as for being equal. Mm -hmm. When it comes into, I think, I think just a lot of where we are today as women of trying to to be the same as men in a men's world, right? When you when I just stop and accept the fact that, not accept, but there are going to be, like when we become, when we move through adolescence, we take different routes mm-hmm. and there's a difference that develops right there that will always separate us. And I'm not, and when, and when you come to understand that, it's like, well, I'm not trying to be equal to you physically anymore. Right. That's yep. never going to happen.
0: No, I think I think you just hit it that uh, the equality, as I said, the equality language. You know, we had there has to be context to that. Right. And uh, you just hit on the point that's near and dear to us and to people that are probably within fitness that, um, you know, it's even it's even obvious. You know, I don't know why, you know, we didn't question or no one really had questions on it. When we had male and female, uh, organization of competition in CrossFit in 2011, you know, it's, you know, we see how we didn't bat an eye at it when it comes down to like these same thing. Um, you know, if you look over all the the bullshit that was inside people's perceptions of what females couldn't do for like distance swimming or yeah. just, you know, that that's horseshit, honestly, but there were some differences in regards to them still competing. Right. So hundred meter sprint is the classic one, right that the differential between the world's best in 100 meter sprint for male and female seems like it's only 0.9 seconds and over 100 meters that's actually a lifetime of difference right so um i think yeah that's see these things. the these things of that were observable and true for a long period of time so again it brings up the questioning of the context around equality right now what i love that you're bringing to the conversation is the energy that says and you can stand on it with conviction that says you've got the whole concept around trying to be equal wrong, right? And so, we've
1: sold that wrong, right? Exactly. I think that's, there's, as, yeah. a, as a, you know, a teenage female, you're not given that context. Yeah. You're giving that big picture of it's really only a couple seconds difference between you and him in that race versus in reality you're the equivalent to a 17 year old, right? Like there's no context given to a young girl. It's just like, Mm -hmm. if you try as hard as possible, anything is possible.
0: Yeah. This is where, this is where, what you picked up on as well. I love Brett's uh, uh, language using an evolutionary biological language, which is very tough to do, by the way, it's very difficult to do because you strip male and female down to just organisms that are looking to have sex to reproduce offspring, you know? Um, but if you, it, but, but, but by taking a couple of seconds to take that lens to your point on, you know, males, you know, they're innate strategies, by the way. So these are strategies that come up with, you know, uh, shoulders go wider, you know, their hips don't go wider, right? There is another sex though, in which their hips go wider and their shoulders don't go wider. And that would be females. It's another in, you know, different, different, uh, developmental thing that happens, but you do need to ask the question. You know, no matter where you sit, you do need to ask the question, why for 100, 100 billion humans that have, you know, walked this planet, why would that all be the same, all for one sex only, right? Now, you could sure shit look around 2022 and say, oh, the deeper voice and stronger grip and larger shoulders. That makes absolutely no sense. See, this is the point that I'm saying. I, I, I get it. Like, I understand what you're saying, but it's still a fact. And it's still true, right? So you just need to contemplate on the notion that says, why would males at that age develop that kind of repertoire, right? So just think about that. And then I love Brett's language of it, which will give you the the link to it. And uh, um, basically, people can make their own decisions, you know, based upon that. But if you think of it in that lens, it makes a whole lot more sense, right? Um, you know, that the fact that we can ejaculate and, um, you know, have pieces of ourselves sent out into the universe so that we could propagate, you know, every half hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? So it's a very inexpensive method of basically uh, reproducing, right? So again, I'm just stripping it down to like the, the basic levels of that. Um, and you should, you should know as well, if you polled, you know, Half of those 100 million, 100 billion people that have been on this planet, a lot of them uh, would have, you know, let's call it a stereotypical uh, physical characteristics that also yield competition, aggressiveness, risk taking, etc. And now you can start to tie in, you know, on a basic, you know, you know, age old level, innate systems inside um why that's the case why that young male developing the shoulders grip strength etc why that presents well why because they have those innate characteristics that are physically embedded inside and but here we're left with the modern time of like and, well what and to that do about makes that? us what uncomfortable to do right yeah.
1: like when you know if you hear that without context as a female that makes me uncomfortable well why can't right like but biologically i can't go have sex in and my eggs don't go all out into the universe i'm not creating a thousand babies just by having sex Mm -hmm. right biologically Mm -hmm. my body doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. but we don't even teach girls to understand that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so that i think that missing link right there is and i hear that and it's just like a very like well men can go do that because they're men and biologically they've been given that gift Mm -hmm. and unfortunately that is the cards we've been dealt biologically Mm -hmm. biologically I can be sad about that, but my body is not built to go out and have sex and be able to spread, you know, my seed and have children every half hour. Every every half hour with different yeah. men, and have you know, like that's just not biologically how we were created. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to strip away the emotion from that, and I think we jump straight into it being simply, well, then we're saying men get to do something different than we do, mm-hmm. right? As if you get to have this luxury that we aren't. We aren't equal to having, and mm-hmm. I think um, they're just missing the context of that conversation. I think that's where there's so much animosity in today's world of like for good reason. Well, why do men get to do that and we don't? So yeah, we for tried, good reason. We try to emulate being able to do it with mm-hmm. little success.
0: Yeah, because it's very, it's very, and it hit on. I think the point that you sent over it hit on the fact that it's it's very expensive, like using that word expensive. Um, removes the concept that some would use to say that it's a burden. Well, but if it's a biological thing, right, reproduction or a female reproducing, yeah, you just need to recognize because the expensive language makes individuals recognize not only the difference between male and female, but the fact of how important. See, this is the word that I think, and I'll quote Louise for it. Um, She said... Being desired is not Mm -hmm. the same as being held in high esteem. Man, it it gives me chills, basically, the way that that it's written, because it also makes me recognize how much strain has been placed in the culture, right? How much strain has been placed in the culture? And uh, where did that come from? That strain that said, no, you need to be able to recognize that uh, and jump over the fact that this is a big, big expense and it does take a lot of energy. Right. And it's it's it, we've jumped over the fact that it's so important. Right. So important. And uh, what what basically the culture has made us say is that it's less important. And now we're left with things like having to defend motherhood. Right. Or or having to defend a uh, free sex. Right. Um, Again, to quote uh, Bridget, uh, fucking as freedom is a fucking lie. So, so, you know, so so powerful statements, but brings us back to the point that you started with on these different things of male and female and how we have to deal with that in the culture that we're in and how it applies to fitness or the big F fitness in, in, uh, in reproduction.
1: So it's like if every, um, cause it's not going to happen in a household and we need to accept that. Like just today, this conversation is not going to happen in every household. We can want that yeah. to be there, but I don't think we're in, a, we're anywhere near a place where every family is going to have this conversation. So I don't think there is a safe place for adolescents to learn these things mm-hmm. and, and not, we miss this phase of you're 14. You're just coming into understanding how your body works. You get a pimple, you go to the doctor's office, they're going to give you birth control. You're going to do it because all your friends are doing it and right there we just close a chapter of your life probably between 14 and 25 when you wake up a little bit maybe 28 where you go out and you do all these things that you don't even have the opportunity to learn that you're going to regret because we just close the door we put you on birth control and again you're going to go which none of this touches on is continuing education right we're going to go now an extra four to eight years of education that typically wasn't the case beforehand right so now we're going this really long chapter of your life where you're never learning to understand your biological function of how your body works without it being stunted or muted with medication and i think that's like one of the biggest costs that we don't talk about right there is like it's very hard to have these conversations and i think bridget does a good job of bringing up later right of you know, regretting all these people she slept with and all those things, but you're not gonna find many women that now are in comfortable relationships in their mid thirties wanting to talk about that experience because they may not even want their partner to know about that chapter of their life.
0: No. And or, and or, I totally or you're get in a
1: career, it. like I might not want anyone yeah. to know about what I did in my that? college years ever. I don't, you know, exactly. those may be things that we close the door for a reason. And so it's very like to be able to go out and vocally speak about the things that you don't want people to know about for the sake of bettering women around the world, that's a lot, that's a big ask.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I, I love that. I t- but I totally get it. I know why that conversation is not being had. With parents, um, because of what you just mentioned there, that concept of liberation, right, and freedom. Actually, it, it was, and I'm just saying that it's quite possible that it was a lie and it's going to result in possibly some as you said point in your life in your 30s where you you feel like you can't discuss it right it's almost because there's no one else in the room and and you're you're afraid of being what i I consider Bridget anyways from my perspective being super brave i mean and just as a side note if you want to read the article um which is called i regret being a slut by Bridget Fatezi. we'll have the notes to it. Listen to it. Don't don't read the article. There's an opportunity to listen to it, and you need to listen to Bridget be a real human when she's discussing it. And I listen. I have no. I have I have no. Besides the article and just listening to her, I have no judgment whatsoever on who this is. Um, but if you listen to someone, you can understand pain. And you can understand regret in someone's voice that you can't get in just language. Um, And I found that very powerful, but um, the, I uh, I just
1: think it connects back to what you were saying of right being um, the quote you just gave um, desired desired
0: is not the same as being held in in High esteem,
1: And it's like, once you open up the floodgates of being open about that period of your life, you risk the fear of no longer being esteemed. Right, because it is yeah. like now you can have reached a place in your career, or you're maybe you've met a spouse, and you are in a set in a solid life. Now you yeah. may not want to speak about that chapter that was not great in fear of losing that esteem you now have. Right, because yeah. I think there is still a possibility for women to to go experience all those things and then be able to meet someone and start a family. But you know they may never even talk about the earlier chapter of their life with their partner. Right. Or they may have moved into different positions at work now where that chapter, no one even knows them to know that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, so that's why I think a lot of these conversations will never happen.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm bringing it close to home for me. I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old going on. Well, 13 year old is going on 27, but (laughs) uh, all parents will understand and yourself probably understand what that is. Uh, I'm not sure if you could add something to that story of uh, when you were growing up and your, you know, maturity that you thought you had even at a young age. But that's personal to me, so I want to be a part of the research. I want to be an n equals one in this, right? To 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 just be an adult and a parent that could say, no, you may want to have these discussions as a parent. To your point of like it may not reach anyone, but I may get I may learn from this, you know, Um, from not just the readings, but this conversations that you and I have on this particular topic. So I can pass it on. Um, and on that note though, it isn't, it is interesting. I hope it doesn't snag us and pull us too far yeah. away from it, but the, you know, as an example, we're speaking to adults, but there's a ton of, you know, 15 to 20 year old young males and females that are significantly less promiscuous today. So that's, that's one of the, that's an interesting like thing that is also inside this conversation that I don't want us to like, you know, start, uh, sending streamers out and, you know, hurrahs for this kind of idea. I think there's a bunch of other shit that comes with that, that causes problems. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, don't you find that slightly interesting that the promiscuity is down? Therefore, you know, all the other things might, you know, topple over time, right? Earlier age, birth control and medication, um, you know, pregnancies that are not, you know, we know no alarmed about pregnancies or earlier pregnancies. Um, The the idea based upon, you know, the, what I like to call the competition versus choosiness that should be like embedded inside, you know, that I, I want my, you know, at least my daughters to understand it. I don't care if anyone else uh, likes that idea or not. I want them to be extremely choosy and to, and to create a really super high precedent in terms of, you know, someone that is really intimate or very close to them. Um, And I want that, of course, just speaking completely personal, I'd like that to extend out as long as possible. I don't know if I'll ever be okay with even the thought of it, but um, anyways.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's where Brett and I sent you this earlier. I loved his conversation on um, just on foreplay, right? But he said it in such a way that it made it sound like so exciting. Like you meet this person and you don't want to get pregnant, so you explore and you do all these things together. That I have the language actually...
0: of it, if you want me to.
1: Yeah. I... Yeah.
0: Uh, you said uh, sex being a private adventure of exploration. Yeah.
1: And I think that's was was so powerful because most teens are introduced to sex as just simply sex, right? And I think from this new wave of feminism, where girls that you know want to stand up for for women's rights, it's like what worse way than just to go have, you know, a 10 minute or a five minute escapade with a boy and get nothing out of it. Yeah. Right. Like how, how less actually
0: both of us don't like it. Uh, I mean, I'll speak on the other side too. See, that's the other, I guess, hidden, hidden thing that no one discusses is, you know, on a whole amongst all that sex that happened, nothing really good came from it. This is the, this is the, the weird thing about it. Like, there's probably 2% of, I could just speak to males, 2% of all those males that were probably like, oh yeah, you know, just wipe it off and casual sex it and just move on. But no, it's, and that I I would say on our side, you know, we also don't discuss it because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to discuss. Do you see what I'm saying? That it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, it was just another night and I really didn't get anything from it, but I'm okay, I'm moving on. That's also a lie. You know, so see, so you see these. There's like lies in the entire room with that concept. Yeah. Right. There's lies in the entire room. Um, I just go
1: back to that, that, you know, just that simpleness of we're trying to get to a place where girls like own that they can get something out of a sexual experience. How worse way to do it than, you know, drunk or um, medicated and not even remember it. But um, yeah. that's yeah. well done. But I think there's some red flags in just the, the waiting to have sex till they're older is, I think, you know, I don't know if we want to get into it today is like, we can't just acknowledge uh, the role of, of porn and what yeah. that does. And I think that's no. where we talked about the big F of like, let's acknowledge that there's a, there's a phase where you were going to, where a male is going to get stronger than a female, um, which can go into all the things around just violence in sex. Yep. That can make kids scared to want to have sex because they don't want to experience those things or they are scared to do those things. And they think that that's a part of, what sex is supposed to be, um, that can turn someone off from ever even wanting to do it.
0: Yes, this is where um, good relations and good parenting and communication comes in. Because if you really think that you're not going to stay close to your young 13-year-old boy in conversation, um, you're going to just think that your deepest relationship is based upon uh, you trying to live through them and, and them being a really good at a sport. And that's how you like love your young boy. And then you're also not going to act as a role model for your exposure of what you watch and consume online. And then expect that young 13-year-old boy on percentages not to, not to have this idea of what sex is as being a bleached asshole and a way that people should operate amongst intimacy. If you think that that's not going to happen, you are kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself with the newest levels of technology and the praying that occurs on young people to have this perception of what sexual relations are like. So you see what I'm saying? It has to, it has to back up to the adult in the room that says, no, I am going to ask you what you consume. I am going to ask you, what is your realistic expectations of sex and intimacy, right? I am going to show you. Yeah, you know that what happened over there to that kid and what he did and how he performed? He's an asshole. That's not how you become civil. That's not how you treat other people, right? So this needs to be within the household, within role models, within parenting. You know, it all has to happen because it's not going to happen in the school level, right? It's not going to happen in a public level. I mean, you and I would in a utopic idea, we would love to have those conversations with young people in the gym with their parents, right? I have slightly erred exactly. on that. But I think that you raise a big point of the not only the I don't have the issues with how porn is perceived or what, what's being done there. And that's a separate topic for us another time in terms of like, just yeah. the just the shit that's inside of it paid sex work, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I apologize if I'm using incorrect language that's connected to that. But I think it's more or less the accessibility and then the perceptions that people think they do or do not have of that. And yes, to your point, this does, we do have to talk about that today on this topic because it we're, we're talking there about the small F fitness that got corrupted, right? Whereas big F fitness used to be the differences of male and female. And these were the innate sexual things that were different. And we were honoring this concept of reproduction, right? And now the small F, You have this bullshit perception as to what sex is and sexual relations and how to how to get that into young people's minds today is going to be it's a it's a fair challenge
1: yeah and i and i think it goes both ways right those are conversations to be having with young sons and also daughters because now it's like where do you look to to think of what you need to be in attractiveness to a male Right. What do you do when you actually get into a bedroom with a male or, or another person, a human being? It's like, well, you're going to go look on a porn site to see what what you should be doing or, you know, even even as simple as like, you know, they, they talk about this again of just the um, evolution of like Cosmopolitan and some of like the, the more popular magazines and websites. And it's like, well, you're going to go to that and it's going to tell you all these things of how to pleasure a man or how to pleasure a partner. Um, right. That, you know, if you don't have someone that's a role model to tell you what is what you should be, what what a relationship should look like and what a sexual relationship should look like, you're gonna go to those things and think I need to be familiar with using all these different toys. And again, at, you know, 15, I need to go wax and do all these crazy things to my body because that's what this magazine's told me is like desirable, which does go into the little F because it goes into when we even approach something like how we exercise, what are, why, do, why are we doing it? We're mm-hmm. we doing it to be our healthiest being, or are we doing it to manipulate our body to look like a Kardashian now? Because right desire is how oh, you'll be desirable. Des- desirable is having a really big ass and having, you know, a small waist. So I don't want to go to the gym to actually be fit. I mm-hmm. want to go and I get clients coming in just because they want bigger glutes. They don't want anything else. They just want to they want a big pair of glutes because that's what's popular now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it does go into like the little F all the time. And yeah. what is, what are we using fitness fitness for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they've been told that, right. That's what the culture has told them. And, um, again, I don't, I don't know any other remedy for it besides, you know, and I, I just, cause I try to think of it in my daughter's eyes, right. For me to speak to my daughters, you know, for me to say, Hey, you know, um, cause I, I get it. I understand where their perceptions are coming from with their questions. Right. So I'm not sure if it's always the same for any, any parents in the room or listening for that, but you, you don't actually like, you don't actually talk direct about that, like bigger ass and desire, you know, yeah. You, 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 you talk around it, but I can tell from the questions that's the, that's the perceptions that they have. And the only reason why I'm saying this is that I'm empathetic to the deep challenges that are inside having that communication. But what I don't do is stop because of those challenges. Right. I I don't stop there. I still have to like, I have to get better at it. I have to talk it out. I have to do some reading. I have to be open-minded. You know, I've got to, I've got to work through that with my daughters on, on it. Right. Um, Without just being, you know, staunch and upfront, um, like I am with other topics for, for good reason, but on those topics, I can't be, I can't just be like, Oh, having a bigger ass and being desired. That's horseshit. That's just, you know, technology telling you, this is what you need to be perceived as, right. You can imagine how that's going to come off, right? No, it's, it's around, well, wh- what are these, uh, what are these things that you're looking to do right now? What, 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 what's, you know, cause I'm trying to get at the intentions. I'm trying to get them to ask the question deep down, like, yeah, have I been swindled? Right. Have I been swindled? Right. Have I have I or do they and I I do. I'm I'm saying it, you know, for my daughters in some different areas. Um, like one softer area is for them is uh, and I'll stop after this, the swindling of uh, marketing around foods. We my daughters now know they even send me stuff. They're like, oh, check this out, dad. Height level in the supermarket. This is the commercial, this is what they said. They have the background colors, right? They can see how they're influenced based upon the messaging. So you can see how that's a soft way of that. Instead of me just saying Coke, bad, kill you, (laughs) you know, mess you up. You know, I get them to like, say, what, what are these people wanting me to do? And again, this goes back to the desires around the bigger ass, et cetera. They're, they're, they're getting there, but it's only coming through good communication and conversation.
1: And I think that's it, Roy's conversation is no one likes to feel like they've been swindled, Mm -hmm. right? Or taken advantage of, right? So um, it's hard when you don't have anyone to navigate these type of conversations with because it's like, you know, having being told that as a girl, you should enjoy promiscuous sex or, right? That like we should be in a college is a time, go have fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like every parent says, when you go to college, just go enjoy yourself. Because after that, life is going to start. And then you feel bad every single time someone doesn't message you after you have casual sex and you think there's something wrong with you because like you should be able to go have sex with strangers and not feel sad when the, when the guy ghosts you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like, we ha- I've got this conversation with adult women that are mm-hmm. my age that are like, like how, how could I have, he wasn't even that, he wasn't even that good looking. Right. And then we go back and forth and look at the pictures to justify that this person wasn't, um, you know wouldn't have been mating wouldn't have been mating quality anyways to have a, a kid with but like man, but you know they're still hurt for the next month that this person didn't text them or try to find them or reach you know reach out to them um and that's where you feel swindled right it's just when you realize that like emotionally you're wired to want that person to want you back emotionally like
0: yeah and it's that, different That's
1: that, that could be yeah that you're how you feel after maybe slightly different than how he does and like that's just because you're biologically wired to be that way. And the only time I hear that narrative, it's usually coming from a male that's like, you need to accept that your your spouse is gonna look at other women and you need to thank him for not for you know for not cheating on you. And that doesn't make like I'm just like, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. no, you should not look at another girl because they're not explaining biologically what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. that your feelings are valid or normal to feel like I want that person to call me after. Yeah. Well, why don't they? Or like. Am I not pretty enough? Like, why didn't he care to call? Yep. You know? Um, and I I think that's the swindling right there.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, great explanation of that. Um, in your lens. The again to make peace of it for some, I'll just be quick on it. Yeah. Go back into an evolutionary lens of it. And it does help make sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't make our current times easy. That's not what it's supposed to do, right? But it will make sense of it to your point of. Uh, feelings that occur after let's call it the generalized, you know, 21 year olds um, having sex, you know, you do need to recognize that there is on bell curve differences of reactions that occur after. So take an evolutionary lens and say, well, why would she feel this way? And why would he feel this way? Why does she feel this way? Because it's a ridiculous investment. It's a ridiculous investment, like not ridiculous as in it's a stupid investment. It's a massive expensive investment do you know what I'm saying so it sh- you should you should it should make sense to you right as a female and I can speak to all males and females in the room here it should make sense to all of you that that's the way you're gonna feel right we're not gonna we're not discussing for today on decisions or rules of the game you know of engagement based upon that but if you if you do know and you're just hearing it from two voices that maybe you don't hear a lot of that it's just not worth it. It's not worth it at that particular time, or you should really consider getting deeper into like a a waiting period or, or a deeper conversation in a non-drugged up or alcohol induced situation of, well, what is, what is intimacy? What is your intentions of this, you know, and talk about it on a biological level, right? Like, listen, if I get pregnant, it's a massive investment. So I'm hoping you can understand that I'm being ridiculously choosy in terms of who I have this intimacy with right and it still doesn't mean that it may not result in pregnancy but but you still have to recognize those two differing emotions right are innately embedded and i think if that was more well understood it sounds like you know i'm trying to speak to the 16 year old who's out there who possibly through a parent is somehow getting it but it is going to help them see it in a different light right that it's got and i know this is a uh thing that you know I'm not going to say it irks either of us, but it immediately then gets pushed, if you say that, uh, it immediately gets pushed into a theological well, this is male, this is female and a patriarchal conversation. and I I will never entertain that notion. you know, I will never entertain that notion as to that's the primary reasons behind the recommendation of like withholding sex prior to I was like, no. It makes no sense biologically and evolutionary wise. That's what I'm telling you. I don't care what you tell me back with regard. Well, as the culture and hookup culture and, right. you know, uh, sexual freedom and liberation. It's like, I don't fucking care. It makes no sense. I just told you both people feel like shit afterwards in different ways. So you have to make sense of that regret that's felt afterwards. And I would hope people don't get to the point like Bridget did, right? Waiting till she's 41, not waiting. That's incorrect to say on her behalf, but that experience until she's 41, to be able to break down in tears three times over describing an article of having regret. You know, like, you know, it needs to be needs to be spoken about.
1: And and you know, if we I mean we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, you know, if we just look at it again in just um she discusses in the book just statistics of like monogamous relationships and partnerships between um, females versus male male couples. It's like, you know, there is tip we know there's actually more promiscuity between males than there mm-hmm. is with female relationships right mm-hmm. so i think it's like again just accepting biologically what our who we are um i think is is really big
0: yeah 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 that's an awesome point um that's one of the that's one of the things that knocks down the house of cards <laughs> whenever you know it's like you haven't even looked at this particular group and their intimacy levels right and their sexual relations it's like wow that's a massive "Quote unquote hookup culture with high frequency, right? Why is because we can. It's like you know, every half hour, you know, on the hour, as an example. So it, uh, yeah, I, and when we say because we can, we mean, I'm talking about a biological level in a reproduction of another human, right? That's what I mean, right? And, and the that, opportunity for it doesn't mean that females so can orgasm every half hour on the hour, uh, tantrically or. Whatever the words would be called for it.
1: We didn't hit that today. Um, and I think it we'll would just give context to this. Is what is the we don't call it, yes, it's a burden, right? It's a burden of if I get pregnant, what is the fitness expense of that? It is gonna be expense. Right? I'd like to
0: call it expense.
1: It yeah. is an expense, right? It you is. know, it's um in today's world i say especially because if I become pregnant and that's nine months of my body transitioning, um, what is the fitness cost of that, right? Or what is the cost of that on my on my body? But also in today's world, what does that do for me if um, potentially I'm not in a relationship? And financially, what does that cost costing me Uh, or costing a a female that carries a child to term? Um, And then, you know, just based off policy, if she has to go back to work within two weeks of having that child, there's a lot of costs that come with getting pregnant. There are a lot of costs that come with um, having a child.
0: Yep. Yep. I, uh, I love that lens. Um, and it is apropos, I believe for today, cause it's in fitness and mating and what happens when you do have reproduction. Um, I would just correct my, for, yeah. for correction, my opinion on it. It's more than a nine month, uh, yeah. investment. Yeah. Um, looking at Hannah and Chloe, you know, uh, um, look around at, uh, their unbelievable mother and her, uh, the nurturing that she had given to them post natal, uh, with breastfeeding post breastfeeding uh with uh, a huge proportion of our time split and hers being the majority of it in taking so there's a mass like it's that's why i call it a ridiculously expensive investment right and so uh, but i don't want it to stop at well just don't get pregnant it 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 can't just be that because the the stuff that you're going to come up with right Oh, birth control can fix that birth control methods, you know, uh, you know, we're capable of doing this by the time we're 16 up to 24, as many times as possible. And just kind of figuring it out. That's not the solution. That's not the solution to overcoming that expense. What my, my point is just don't say it's not expensive just to correct your, the language on the depth of expensiveness, you know,
1: because it goes to the little F of emotion Mm -hmm. and having constant casual sex. Has an emotional toll.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Gosh. There's a burden. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's. Gosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, maybe, uh, maybe rules of our fitness relation rules uh, of it, of, of, uh, relation, we'll call it the re- relation engagement code. Maybe over time we'll build that Gosh. fitness and relation engagement code. You know, um, why not? You know, yeah. um, it's nothing wrong with at least putting something down. Um, just because I have it down here. um, And I did want to maybe we could, uh, it'll help with our summary of to make sure we've covered it on uh, the big F and little f. Uh, Luis wrote a book, and then she listed off at the end, I don't know if you remember the last couple of paragraphs. Yeah, he had these very short terms that um, that I think would be would be good for folks today. And, and uh, if you're if Melissa, if you wanted to hit on any of these particular ones we haven't covered just for today, uh, number one, sex must be taken seriously. That's, that's our point. We just, we just made right. Um, and that, that statement is, uh, is so true. Men and women are different. Uh, again, that's, you know, with the statement we hit on earlier, there's differences and there are, there are a tremendous amount of equalities, but we wanted to talk about how to create that blend over time. Um, number three, some desires are bad, (laughs) you know, uh, realizing that again, in current times, you know, based upon society and civilization and how we basically, uh, handle ourselves, not all desires end up in a significant good. Um, number four, which we did, we did discuss, but very briefly today, consent is not enough. Uh, really, really big underpinnings in four words that mean mean a lot, but consent is not enough. And I think, yeah, I'm just going to say that we're going to asterisk that maybe for another day, because yeah. it's a really, really important one. Um, violence is not love. It, if it's not obvious that we're, that's where we get into uh, sex work conversation, um, the concept and perceptions of what we see in our perceptions of intimacy, right? And thinking that BDSM or, you know, these particular things that may take place in, in uh, this category that's stripped of all love and, and emotion and intimacy. Those words should not even enter into that. It should be considered what it is, which is called violence. And it's not love. Um, Number six, we discussed this loveless sex is not empowering. Loveless sex is not empowering. Uh, Number seven, people are not products that was the heavy hitter with regards to her conclusions on um, uh, paid sex work and some of the push. I don't know if you remember that. That was, I found that a really interesting discussion of the, from her perspective as a, I would would consider Louise and how she speaks a truly radiant, liberated female. And the way she spoke about, listen, I think we may have gotten it wrong to like virtue signal the fact that we can just sell sex and get like benefits from that, you know, um, thinking that it's just, you know, people are going to desire us. So what the heck, let's just go ahead and take it to the next level. I just found that very brave, uh, on her behalf. And then lastly, uh, you know, co- conversation for another time, marriage is good. Marriage is a good thing. And, uh, that's, you know, for me to basically, uh, uh, discuss another time and all the benefits that come from that, even inside of this with regards to, you know, sexual relations and, um, anyhow uh, so just with that summary summary from uh, Luis's book um, any uh, reminders or points to consider as we summarize the big F little F uh, topic for today Let
1: me through, see if I had that kind of tied into those no um, well, I mean I think that was the sum of it I think when we start getting into um, Again, sex being a, a a product or being purchasing, of, I think it does go back to separating. We didn't talk on it today, really, like the difference between power dynamic, hmm. right? I think indirectly uh, we, we
0: did with uh, the it. eight strength differences, right?
1: But more um, money, like always go, money is power.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So like money is power, and so it's like I think we get into that one. It's like if someone's purchasing a relationship with you, yeah. or you're watching,
2: yeah, you're
1: you're watching you know, we get into conversation of porn and is it good or bad? Or how do we have feels on yeah. that? It's like, anytime you're watching something where both people were fully consensual in that act, Yeah, you're consuming something where someone was like, you're purchasing another person without their consent.
0: Man. That's yeah. Perfectly put. I think of the, I think of it as, you know, I can't believe that it's discussed at a transaction level. Right. I, cause I see no fair trade agreement going on. It shouldn't even be called a transaction, but you are right. Uh, money and that becomes right a real big issue in regards to the differences of it and again I and I'll use the word empathetic I am empathetic to individuals that get into those particular areas in which money is such uh, an issue and, and no I'm not saying that I'm being a, an apologist for all those idiot loser repugnants out there who use women as their as their way of getting money for that I'm not saying that but you do have to recognize that when it, when money becomes the sole thing and then money is connected to survival, listen, <laughs> it, it does happen. So I'm empathetic to that. It's just so sad that it is, it is used as that. And again, I can look at it at a biological lens from the male perspective, looking at it going, totally makes sense, right? Like, I mean, that's a huge value to me, right? For my arousal state and stimulation and what I can get from that. There is a cost for that. And there is a money cost for that. You see what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just crappy that it's, that it's inside of, you know, this call, let's call it a biological lens of, you know, human altruism and empathy and compassion, right? Cause I, I connect those to also to sexual relations. It's just that not a lot of people can see it that way because it's not, it's not, uh, it's just not, it's not entertaining. Again, it's not sexy just to use the, it's not not sexy to use it in that term, right? One person experiencing intimacy with them for a really long period of your life for all these reasons, including maybe reproducing and having other little ones, right? But if not, then both of you being healthy enough to experience those sexual relations for a lifetime, there is a lot of power in that. Uh, there is a lot of power in that, meaning power back to your language of a non-cash agreement, right? But power can be embedded in this relationship and not only with that cash transaction. Anything you want to add to that?
1: No, I think that nailed it right there. Right. Just a different lens of what is what can be powerful.
0: All right. Um, I think that was you think it's a fairly good start?
1: It was a good start.
0: Okay? Uh, we uh, and we're learning as we go. So I, I appreciate, um, you know, meaning we're learning. Uh, Melissa and I are learning about our relationship as we go here, which is great. I'm excited about that too, is like a um, an ulterior motive to the conversation. Uh, I'm excited to uh, develop a great relationship with, with you, Melissa, um, on on this particular topic, but also for both of us personally. So uh, glad everyone can listen in as we kind of work work through those things. And I think that uh, what everyone may get from it is a, is a, you know, just a mixed collection of thoughts, trying to stick as close as possible to a particular topic, using a, some jump off points like we did with uh, uh, Bridget and Brett um, and their conversations. And uh, hopefully maybe people can look at, you know, the big F or the little F fitness in a different light with regards to meeting. Anything you want to add to that?
1: And that is it. It's awesome. Looks like it.
0: Thanks for everything.
2: Thank you.